0: Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice. Welcome to another episode of our podcast on safeguarding. Dr Claire Sieber, one of our medical directors at Wessex LMC's, talks to Wendy Thorogood, Nurse Consultant for Safeguarding, about safeguarding issues for children in these times of COVID. So Wendy, coronavirus must be a risk for safeguarding issues for adults and children. Um, what sort of safeguarding prote- safeguarding services are going on at the moment in light of the COVID crisis?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, safeguarding can be considered as being a hidden problem anyhow. So obviously, at times where things are closed and very much behind behind closed doors, it's not going to vanish. It's only going to intensify. Mm. Um, so we are looking towards the contextual side of safeguarding in the hope that if anything really awful, there was like a massive argument that the neighbours would be able to report in. Because the response to a situation is very much still in place. You know, social workers are still there. They're hoping to get the right protective uh, equipment to be able to go in if they have to actually go in and do a home visit. Police will obviously still respond to um, a domestic abuse situation. Um, And people can't hide in the fact by saying that Corona is in the house and you can't actually have access to the children because um, the way some of the um, partners are working, and that can be youth offending um, social workers or the key worker for the family, will actually be doing Skype calls very much like we are and trying to talk to the children on their own. They're asking the parents to actually um, have access to equipment. And of course, some of these families might not actually have computers, so there has to be telephone conversations and links up with them. But the duty and the statutory responsibility still remains a priority for them. And there's lots of conversations in how this can be supported. So there, in some places, the children, they talk about the vulnerable children still going to school, so they're being seen. Um, And monitored in in school by the teachers and they the teachers may be given extra tasks in relation to how you know how's the child coping at home what life is like and and then feeding feeding that back which is why the government made that decision Uh, but of course you will always have families that don't send their children to school anyhow so this is another good reason not to send them to school but they're families that social care are used to working with the biggest risk for health is obviously some of the frontline health workers are being redeployed, um, so you won't have the same support perhaps from like a looked-after nurse or a school nurse or even a health visitor because there's a, there's a push and pull in relation to clinical experts having to be deal with clinical situations. Mm-hmm. But the government is very much, you know, the national leads for safeguarding are working to try and protect the designated roles and the named roles, so you will still have people that you can actually ask advice for.
0: Okay, thank you. It's really good to know that the services are still out there and sounds like they're just being delivered in a different way, as are the services in general practice at the moment, remotely as much as possible. Yes, yeah. I was thinking about new parents in all of this and how they must be feeling It must be pretty isolating time it is anyway having a new child yeah. um, do you have any thoughts about that that we could uh, we could share yeah. with us well, well the guideline of course safeguarding
1: is all about preventative um and actually giving someone a pleasant birth and making sure that you've got the right attachment and support in place would be routine and that's going to be disrupted because at some places the father can take the mother in Um, and then leave them until near the delivery and then come back in and see the delivery but they have to go again Um, Mm. and that's okay if you have a partner but as you and I know that some of these women won't have partners Um, they might not have a birthing partner that they can actually take in because if they're young their parents will be looking after other children perhaps in a family so it could be quite an isolating um, situation so I think GPs are going to have to be aware of who these new mums are and how they're actually accessing the support. Um, There is still a requirement for them to have their six-week check, if possible, within the GP practice. Health listing service and midwifery service may be done again remotely, um, so that could leave a mum in quite a vulnerable situation with a new baby, and equally having to take a new baby out could cause um, anxiety. So I guess the conversations have got to cover how is that mother's emotional health, health at that time? Um, what is her support network? Because everybody will have a support network and it may even be another friend has to move in with them. Um, and of course, we are coming to that that peak time and the anxiety of actually having a baby in the midst of all this, we're going to be quite fearful. Mm-hmm. So we will equally have to be mindful, I guess, if the parents are hyper anxious to try and normalise and have some of these conversations so that we don't breed somebody that's going to be wrap their children in cotton wool um, and be bringing them to the GPs every five minutes with every sniffle. Um, But then obviously we can't ignore those signs. So it's about how are we going to make sure those parents are emotionally supported? Perhaps if there's a diversion of some of the health visitors, Mm -hmm. um, it's making sure that they know which helplines are out there. The hospitals have very good um, support, breastfeeding, follow-up. Um, and hoping that other network of friends of people that actually have babies at the same time to encourage them contact in relation to that. And very much like we are today, um, having Zoom is free. They can have face-to-face conversations with their families and that will make them feel more normal, won't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember when I had my daughter, how important it was to have that network of um, people you haven't met that long ago who were having a baby at exactly the same time as you. um, you can still do that, but just have to be remotely, I guess. Yeah. So as GPs, it's really important then that we continue with our postnatal checks and our new baby checks because um, there's probably more, more likely to be uh, mental health issues that we're going to uncover. Yes, then? yeah. yeah. Okay, and
1: again, you. people are aware that this is going to happen and it will be some of the national helplines um, crisis, you know, that's still going to be being manned. And so they can still talk to somebody in the middle of the night if they need to. So it's making sure that they, they've they got that help, which they will be given at birth. They will be given different. the hospitals are desperately thinking of what support network will be in place um, to be able to support new mums.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wendy, are there more cases of neglect and abandonment now with COVID? Um, there's two different strands. Obviously, we have seen... Um,
1: there has been some significant safeguarding situations um there was a the first reported case of a shaken baby now whether that's on a family we don't know the whole details but again you'll be seeing that if mums are getting very frustrated um and obviously what we don't want is the increase which is why safeguarding is still um, a statutory responsibility to make sure workers are going in um, and to be mindful of those families that we're most worried about So we. You know, GPs may be asked for more tele conversations in relation to adults' mental health um, and fathers as well, mothers and fathers, and whoever the main carer are. Um, The hope is that, um, you know, it will be no more, but it may be more intensified if you can't get out. Um, Mm. So, obviously, that's always a risk. And equally for adolescents, because adolescents um, are going to be being kept in, and if you have quite an angry intense adolescent they may be turning to the computer so there's a different risk there because there's more risk of children actually going on the wrong sites and being groomed Mm -hmm. so again that's just another angle where you have the other end of the scale of children um, being intensified and of course adolescents can be quite private in relation to um, who they're communicating with so that's just a message for people to be aware if you see a change of of personality so we're working closely with um, people like COPS to report abuse online. Um, but if people are being frustrated, children and adolescents in particular, being feeling frustrated and isolated, um, that's a risk that we've got to sort of think wider. It's not just the general community that they're mixing with now. It's going to be even more intensified through the internet. But we're um, working with partners to be able to report that.
0: Yeah, that's something I hadn't quite considered before. But you're right, these these children and teenagers will be using the computer a lot more, all of their virtual learning is now online, but they'll probably be using social media as well a lot more. So we need to make sure they are actually looking at, yeah. And Wendy, what would happen if um, a family got ill with coronavirus and both parents uh, perhaps needed to be hospitalized or admitted?
1: Yeah, there's there's some firm guidance. We've been talking on some of the national calls this week in relation to emergency planning. Um, so we're doing some work on actually forming some training for foster carers and kinship caring in relation to taking children because it's clear that you can't take children in the ambulance with whatever parent is going into hospital. Um, mm-hmm. And if one parent's had it likely to be the other parent or a single parent, there could be displaced children. So there is going to be some guidance coming out in relation to um, whether you can actually have a trusted neighbour. But people do have to think about where those children can go, because, again, safeguarding isn't always the child protection. These are probably um, children that are from loving families that could be displaced and could be orphaned. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of emergency planning being um, put in place in relation to that. And it is about um, the parents having a personal responsibility. So, again, if you um, perhaps are coming across a family that are showing signs of corona, it is about asking that difficult question you know, who have you got in line and do people know where your children can go? And it might be that the parents can actually place the children safely while they're ill so they can actually just concentrate on themselves even if it was a neighbour that they had trusted um, Mm. as long as there is a clear communication and it's done safely i think you're going to have to find that there is a lot of kinship care there has been some examples where some of the slightly older children were left to care for the other children and had to contact the grandparents and um, of course some of these grandparents may be falling into the risk area as well and they Mm. can't be protective Um, and equally they're looking at making sure that there's going to be clear guidance in how to look after children that obviously have been in contact with COVID because their parents have been taken in. Um, But the ambulance are being given some firm guidelines for obvious reasons. You can't take children into hospital. um, And this could be in the middle of the night. So there's
0: lots of planning and thought going on around that. Gosh, it's a whole minefield really that, isn't it? It's good to know Mm. that somebody's thinking about it. And uh, it would be good if we could encourage families to have some sort of emergency plan that hopefully they never need to enact, but an emergency plan for their children. Mm. And equally, if there's medical needs for those children,
1: they still need to be able to get their medication. So mm. if the GP knew where these children were going um, to actually you know, perhaps pass over the medical information on these children... Um, to another practice because it could be out of the area couldn't it so it's just about thinking you know if the child's asthmatic or or diabetic and needs regular medication we need to make sure that that is easily and accessible and I think we already have a very good functioning um, system for that in place but of course it will come down to consent if those parents are ill in hospital they're not going to be able to give consent so if there is written consent with the GPs beforehand, that would make life a lot easier. So if, mm. the, if, if that conversation had happened and they said they're going to my sister and this is who it is, it, it cuts through that one it?
0: Something to bear in mind then, perhaps if we're seeing a single single mum with asthma who's got covid yeah needs to be struggling and we think oh dear will she be admitted then we can think well what's going to happen to your child let's make some plans uh, are you happy for us to share the child's medical records if we have to if some, we yes. could do all advance, yeah. couldn't we yeah thank you forward thinking yeah are there any resources out there for gps at the moment to help us with the sorts of issues we discussed We're all playing catch up. As I say, we're um,
1: putting together the emergency planning um, guidance. And as soon as that's ready, um, there will be a podcast that's going out nationally. That will be covering Scotland, England and Wales as well. Um, So as soon as that's out, I'll make sure that it goes on our website and anything else that we're doing in relation to some of the safeguarding. um, Through another means, I'm having a conversation in relation to the postnatal and attachment concerns. And this is an ideal time that we will be able to actually get to experts that can actually share that and perhaps make a um, conference just like this. And some of these will be being hosted on different sites and it's about making sure that everybody can actually get access to them. So um, between us um, and various different charities that deal with safeguarding um, and local medical council, we can share that information out. And so as soon as something, but it's it's evolving, It's 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 been so fast moving it's making sure that we're actually getting that information out and that it is the correct information because we want to be able to send a standard message out Um, so it's going through this national safeguarding team and as I say different topics are coming up as different things arise
0: well it's a sobering topic but there's lots of food for thought there thank you Wendy see you soon yeah no thank you Claire really
1: helpful discussion hope it's helpful thank you bye